This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sarantos, Editor-in-Chief here on the Chicago Podcast Network, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy AJ Signary. AJ, say hello to the people. Hey people. And uh, folks, you know, it's funny, we, we have important things to get to today, we have a lot of stuff we want to do, but I would be remiss, hell, I would be, dare, it would be dereliction of duty if I did not play this for you from The Daily Show. That, ladies and gentlemen, was the theme song to the fictitious Bond movie, Gold Shower. Uh, the Daily Show did that video last night before their episode, and it uh, is very rare that something makes me laugh so hard that I literally have to watch it like seven times. That I had to watch seven times, because I'm a big James Bond fan, and that was hilarious. What do you think, AJ? No, oh, I thought, I mean, I thought it was just hilarious. And it's so clever. For them so to do clever. that is on point. I mean, it was just—it was one of those things where you're just like, like if you, you know, you're expecting the jokes, and you're and you tune into a show like that, and you're expecting a certain style of humor. But every once in a while, a show like that'll do something that's just like, oh, that's perfect. Like I didn't even know I needed that, and I needed that. Like that was, that was so perfect. And I'm just, I'm dying. Why? I'm like, because the thing is, is they got the sound production quality right. Like I went back and watched the actual Goldfinger opening credits. Like, they even get, like, the record pops and, like, all the little stuff that's in it, like, just dead on. And I think that's Desi Lydic, dude, singing that. You think so? I think so. I'm pretty sure that was Desi Lydic because it's, it, you can kind of hear a little bit of her when she's singing it, but they also do a great job just sounding like the original theme, and it was, it was it's hilarious. Which, for the record, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen Goldfinger since you were a kid, go back and watch it. It's a pretty messed up Bond movie where the villain literally dips the... <laughs> the the women in, in actual gold it's kind of messed up but then again this is also from the time period where uh let's put it this way donald trump would have been very comfortable as james bond as far as sexual assault goes no of course he would i i there's nothing funnier than the not funny but that, that moment where james bond blackmails a woman for sex oh pierce my silence has a price it's <laughs> like, oh shit i guess james bond just blackmailed this woman for sex Right, Trump. By the way, I think I'm going to just pull that gold shower sound, and for the next four years, whenever he does anything sort of weird, just going to hear gold shower. Remind everybody that at least the rumor is, which is a rumor that's fun to go with. Should we should we dump into should we dump into it? That's the wrong end. Should we uh, <laughs> should we dive into it? Uh, uh. What do you think, AJ? You want to? Um. I'm more of a slip and slide type of person. Ooh, slip and slide. Did you happen to catch Colbert last night at all? No, I didn't catch that. I mean, I heard snippets of it, but I didn't catch all of it. He did about a two-minute stretch of some of the best pee jokes you'll ever hear in your life. It was pretty damn good, so check that out, folks. But in case you're just listening to this show, which it would be weird if you listen to this show and don't know it, but for those of you who may not or don't know the details, uh... Was it Tuesday night the story broke, AJ, going into Wednesday, that the Russians announced that they had a bunch of information, not just about the Democrats and the Republicans, but they had personal uh, and financial information about the president-elect that may be used to pressure him to do certain things to uh, stop them from releasing the information. And there's a lot of stuff in there that people are, are, are talking about and whether or not it's been verified or true, but... You know, the hell with that. We live in the world of fake news, and it's just a lot of fun to imagine that Donald Trump is into. Are you ready, ladies and gentlemen? Golden showers. Now, if you're unfamiliar with golden showers because you haven't lived on the internet for the last 10 years and you've never gone down what me and my roommate refer to as the pornhole, uh, allow me to explain in graphic detail. A golden shower is when a man or a woman uh, is sexually aroused at the idea of urine. Uh, specifically, having urine on them, 
or around them. And the story that broke is that at one point while staying at a Hyatt, and I like to imagine it was a Hyatt Regency, uh, Donald Trump paid two Russian hookers to pee on his bed, and then he laid in it while doing what you do with hookers. So that's a thing that's being talked about. So you get to not only imagine Donald Trump having sex, but doing so on a bed filled with urine. Uh, but not only a bed, but supposedly the bed that the Obama slept on while they were in Moscow. Oh. Extra grody. So there's also that other symbolic nature of, you know, two women peeing on a bed the Obama slept on. Well, obviously to get it clean. Yes. I mean, with the he urine. is a filtered process in our bodies. Yeah. I like it. What's the line in Dodgeville? Is it that necessary? Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? No, it's not. But I do because it's sterile and I like the taste. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's I don't necessarily know if I believe that that's true or not. And honestly, I don't even care. I don't care about anybody's sexual proclivities. It doesn't bother me at all. What I, what I love about it is just... It's now led to Donald Trump calling CNN fake news in the middle of a press conference the morning after President Barack Obama literally gave you, like, if, if you want to go beyond the fact that he was thanking people, and, you know, we can always talk, AJ, about some of the disappointing things that have gone into the Obama presidency, but the one thing you can never take away from the dude is he is a gifted public speaker, and that speech on Tuesday night in Chicago uh, down at McCormick Place. And by the way, uh, anyone looking to put on a large political rally, don't go to McCormick Place unless you're going to fill the place completely up. It does sound like you're in an empty hall. Did you notice that? Yeah, a little bit. I didn't know if the room was not quite filled or they just really screwed up on the acoustics on their end. They screwed up on the acoustics is more than anything else. But the thing is, is I don't know if, if this is a Chicago podcast network. So if you haven't been to the auto show in your life, folks, uh, shame on you, but it's the same hall where they do the auto show, man. So that place was, it, it's huge and it's got, you know, hundred foot ceilings. So there's not a lot you can really do. And when people are getting quiet, you can hear it. Did you also happen to notice the one woman screaming early on, uh, in the back? Kind of. I mean, I wasn't really paying attention to that. No, me either. But you could tell that it was like just one person who wouldn't stop. And then I noticed that the four more years chant happened. And I imagine security got her out of there. Um, weird. It was. It, that was a strange experience to watch the last real speech by what in my lifetime is the best president uh, we've had. And again, a lot of things that are disappointing about it. But as far as... We're getting into this now. We are eight days away from President Trump. And President Obama walked to that stage that night knowing that his legacy is in a lot of danger. But he delivered a hell of a speech. But more than anything else, carried himself with, you think gravitas is the right word? Yeah, I would say that. I, with, with the gravitas of a president, with the man who understands his role, understands what's going on, is fully informed, and, and really, I, I just felt, did a fantastic job being the president. And it, in our lifetime, it's, it's going to probably be the best president that we'll ever have. He Mainly because of his even nature, his even keel nature. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was never a guy who was going to react to something violently or fly off the handle. He wasn't going to be easily manipulated by the people around him. I mean, the one thing I'll say is all the stuff that you like about Obama or don't like about Obama, it is him. I don't believe that a lot of people ever really had sway on his decision-making. The information, yes. You know, and that's a different kind of issue of what is the information the president is getting. But I've always felt that President Obama acted in what he truly believed was the right thing. Um, I also believe that about George W. Bush and Bill Clinton, but there's also there's an intellect at work in President Obama that I don't think we'll see again in the White House. Do you think that's fair to say? No, I don't think so. Um, you, don't think no, that, I mean, you don't think that's I, fair to say, or you're agreeing with me? No, I agree with that. Uh, oh, okay, because um, the way you phrase that would say that I'm just making sure that we're clear. That was all. Well, I mean, 
in this from from this point forward, I don't think we're going to see someone um, of his intellect anytime soon. Um, I mean, I would argue probably since Kennedy, maybe Roosevelt, Franklin D. That is. Um, is probably like the last time we ever saw someone up to Obama with that kind of intellect um, that comes to the White House and everything. Um, and, and, and I do agree with the things that you said and everything, but I also, I think I would, I would be remiss to say that Obama had to do that because of who he is. You know, I mean, everyone expected, um, you know, being the first black president to do things on a black agenda and what have you, and, you know, he didn't even really do that, you know. Um, he did certain things, but not so far than what, like, a real black agenda should have been and everything. And, you know, he had to do the kind of things that he had to do um, being in a position that he was. Otherwise, you know, he would never have gotten the things that he would have gotten passed, you know, with the Affordable Health Care Act, um, certain, you know, putting that executive order in for um, firearms and a, and a host of other executive orders and legislation that he um, was pushing for and everything. So, um, so I mean, I think it's half correct of what you're saying, but it's also the other half of um, he had to be the kind of president because he was the first black president that we have seen in our lifetime. Yeah, you know, that's that's a fair point. Um, I believe it was somebody on the Daily Show being interviewed said the thing is when you consider when you talk about Barack Obama, it was uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates and the yeah. great writer from the Atlantic who also writes the Black Panther comic. You guys should check that out. He mentioned he goes think about Obama in this thing. He is a mixed race man from Hawaii who is basically removed from the racism and the prejudice of most of the United States, you know, he's able to kind of, he's a black man who grew up in a white man's world, surrounded by white relatives, so when he's talking to older white people, it's not like he's talking to strangers, he's talking to his grandparents, and that's an interesting way of looking at it, and, and really... I don't want to spend this whole show talking about the greatness of Obama because um, I, I think I want to do that a little bit longer, uh, maybe a few months removed from him leaving office because that's when you'll start to really appreciate it. But under President Obama, eight years, you know, you, you can really look at it. No serious attacks on the country. Uh, no new wars started. Uh, there is the dark stuff, you know, the deportation of undocumented people. Uh, that's been, you know, a black eye that's been kind of ignored uh, by a lot of liberals that people don't really talk about. Uh, but other than, you know, some stuff that you kind of, it's it's 50-50 what, what you're going to take away from it. It's just, he's been a good president. He's done a very good job, saved the economy. Uh, I know that you could argue that maybe the economy needed to not be saved. But, you know, it's, as far as a steady hand, making sure that through a lot of dark stuff, we were always kind of on the right path. You know, that that's a good thing. I've heard people say, you know, the biggest difference between Trump and Obama and even uh, between Trump and everybody is up until now, you've kind of always had a president who you could count on 100% would stand up for the rights of most people. And we don't know if that's the case right now. And uh, as a result of that, we can, um, of course, move into the fun part of, what happened yesterday, which, or this morning, was it this morning or yesterday? Jesus Christ, it was yesterday, with the Donald Trump press conference from, I don't know, an alternate reality. You watched Doctor Who. Did they ever do the alternate dimension thing or the alternate timeline? Because it felt like Spock with a beard press conference. It felt like something I've never seen before. I have never seen a president, which is what he basically is at this point, talk down a reporter the way that he did the general from uh, Jim Acosta from CNN. Uh, did you see that live or did you happen to only see well, it? Well, I saw that and um, I wasn't too surprised that he did that, but I was surprised what he said, like calling them fake news. And, you know, anyone who knows me um, knows my personal stance on the mainstream media and everything. But having said that, 
um, <laughs> it's CNN. You know, this is this is not um, uh, TMZ. This is, isn't you know Entertainment Weekly. Um, Hell, this isn't. Dare, even- I, dare I say? BuzzFeed or MTV News. I would, I would even CNN. throw, I would even throw an MSNBC or Fox News into that list, with their, which are both very biased. CNN's only bias is to making money, right? Which they they've told they told us from day one, right? So I mean, so when you know when you hear when you when I heard that the first time, you know your fake news, it's like come on. And then I had to see Kellyanne Conway talk to Anderson Cooper. Which, that was entertaining, you know, calling Anderson Cooper and CNN fake news, you know, right in front of their face, you know, distance apart. Um, I mean, this is, the, this, this is the kind of juvenile behavior we're going to see with Trump and his administration and his staff for the next four years. And... If people are not willing to actually stand up and actually face the bully, then, you know, we're just going to be belittled until, you know, we're just not going to do anything. And I'm, for one, I'm not going to stand for that. I mean, shit, I don't care if they call this podcast network fake news, but I'll be damned that, you know, I'm going to, you know, put in the kind of quality of work that I that I and Nick are trying to do on this podcast network and everything. And, you know, what I'm trying to get at is we need to stand up. And if we don't, then we're going to really see the kind of fascist United States that we all are going to be fearing. There's a, there's a, I think it might have been you or somebody you know told me that maybe it was when you had, uh, uh, who did you used to have on the old show that I liked? Uh, Bill Ayers. Uh, yeah. I think when we were on the old station told us, he said, look, fascism isn't going to come. You might remember this better than I do, but he, fascism isn't going to come with tanks. It's going to come by, in, in the, in the, the vein of, how did he put it? It's it's gonna come in the vein of lies, like it's not yeah. gonna, it's it's, it's gonna be misleading. Is it's generally what he was trying to get, to. and it's just this idea that we are going to willfully hand over our freedom to a fascist because we're not going to know that that's what we're doing, and that's what's starting now. And I don't think people appreciate the danger. We did a show, and I always go back to it, and I've I've now by the way I just started referring to it as our classic episode. Uh, picking a fight with Alex Jones or Alex Jones is a fucking joke, whichever episode title you want to go with. And we talked about the dangers of a guy who uses, you know, stuff out of the propaganda playbook, just straight up. You, my favorite thing we talked about it the day we did the show, you are the resistance is a great way to start a show because it instantly makes you feel special for even watching the program. And, that was eight months ago, and I feel like in eight months, a guy like that has been given credibility by everybody, especially the president-elect, and it's there's a danger that people, I don't think, appreciate, and it's because for so long, our narrative has been, well, the media is full of shit, and we've said that so often, and, it's, and even I've said it, you've said it, and there's some element of truth to that, but here's the thing that we never really thought the long-term effect of that would be, which is that now facts aren't facts. So we have people in the White House press room who are going to present questions to the White House and the White House is going to be able to act like they don't have to answer them, like Donald Trump did yesterday. CNN made a great point. Jim Acosta made a great point in that briefing. He said, if you're going to attack our news network, then you owe us at least the opportunity to defend ourselves. We are CNN. And I feel that he was right in that. You're not, like you said, you're not attacking BuzzFeed here. You're not going after occupied Democrats or, or, um, or, you know, the Democrats watch list, which is the liberal version of that crap. You know, you, you, you are going after CNN, the worldwide leader in news. And whether or not you like that, that is the case. If you are in an airport in, in Kandahar, guess what TV channel is going to be on in the airport? It's not going to be Fox News. It's not going to be MSNBC. It's CNN World. CNN is the world leader in news. And they have reporters everywhere. The the network, look, if there's a riot going on in Baltimore, you don't tune in to ABC. You go to CNN because they're going to have people on the ground. 
and whether or not you like their coverage, they at least can tell you what is actually happening. But now we have a society where people are questioning what is even actually happening. And that's new. And that's dangerous. And now the President of the United States is in a position where he is going to back up that very dangerous idea. And people need to understand, AJ, and this is the, like you say people need to stand up. The first line of defense against a president or anybody in politics with too much power is a is the free press. And if we take away that power, I'm, I, folks, you don't understand. If, if you don't, if you're listening to this, you probably agree with us. But if you don't agree with what I'm saying, you need to understand and look at the history of journalism in the United States. Look at the big moments that of of corruption that have been caught. I now fear AJ that we could find bribes coming in from russia to donald trump to give people access like and i don't mean the stuff with hillary where it's like rumored and whatever i mean actual like bank statements and reports that prove it and people would still claim that they were fake and 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 that's the problem because now you're go go ahead so but i think i mean i so to reinforce what you're saying is is this simple notion people are relying on opinions more than facts. And that's dangerous in and of itself. People are relying on someone who has an opinion and they'll gravitate towards that person or group and they'll side with them and keep fueling that opinion. Whereas the facts are the facts where you can show someone Here's the source. Here's the person. Check out this video. Here's the book. Here's the magazine article. Here's what this person said. And people will balk at that. And that is what is, is more dangerous than everything. And I, and I feel that's more about, you know, the dismantling of, you know, stripping away people who go to school, college, universities, um, stripping away that, you know, those of us who are academic inclined, that, you know, we're getting, being fun of and everything because what we're doing is not true. It's someone's opinion. And you cannot value someone's opinion and everything. I, I make opinions all the time. And people may agree or disagree with my opinion, and I'm okay with that. But if I'm going to provide a fact, and you're saying that's wrong, then you're more of a fool than I am. Right. And, and, that's, and that's the danger of, of what's going on. Facts aren't facts anymore. Russians hacked, Russians hacked Democrats under the orders of a foreign leader. That's not a fact. Well, no, the CIA says it's a fact. The NSA says it's a fact. The entire intelligence community says it's not a fact. Well, you can't, if, if we, Obama said it in his speech, if we don't agree on what even the basic facts are, how can we accomplish anything? Because now the thing, I really do feel the true danger of Trump's presidency. And, and this is where it gets weird, because I, my anger with Trump being elected never really had anything to do with what I think he'll actually do. It had to do with what it represented. You know, you've heard people say, like, the, the shocking revelation, America's more racist than people realize. I'll be the first to admit, I'm one of those people who thought that. I never thought that that many people could support a guy who had the Klan stand up for him. But they did. And now that it's done, I don't think Donald Trump will be able to accomplish most of what he said. I'm sure that we'll start building the wall next month. It'll never get finished. It'll be a billion-dollar boondoggle. But sure, we'll start building it. Whatever. Walls don't stop shit. It doesn't matter. And then tunnels and ropes is all I'd say to any of you. But I look at it now and I go, okay, the real danger is his lack, we talked about this before, his lack of engagement and his lack of an ability to understand when people are telling him the truth. And if it, if it questions anything that he stands for, he immediately attacks. You know, CNN Politics has an article up, and it's just like things we've learned in the last two days. And the number one thing they have is that Trump, this literally word for word from CNN Politics, Trump escalates his conflicts with the media and other perceived enemies. That's his go-to tactic. If, if you attack him, he attacks you. If you, you know, what, what's the line in The Untouchables? Isn't that just typical of a WAP? Bring a knife to a gunfight. 
Second Sean Connery impression of the day. Uh, um, but that's what who he is. He's the guy who you show up with a slingshot, he brings out an AK-47. And we can't even ask the questions now in the press room of the president. And that's, that is f- dangerous. This whole thing, you, to, to not be able to question it, we're going to end up spending all of our time arguing about what's actually happening that to, to get to the second part of the argument. You know, what's the, the thing is, you know, the first step to solving your addiction is to admit that you have a problem. You know, people mm-hmm. say that all the time. It's the first thing in the 12-step program. Well, mm-hmm. now we're going to be arguing about whether or not something is a problem before we even get to the second step, which is take steps to fix it. You know what I mean? Like, that's the real danger, more than anything else. We're going to be arguing about what the actual problem is as opposed to the fact or that there is, in fact, a problem before we even get to the idea of solving it. it that That's, God damn it. Sorry, my brain exploded. Feel free to go ahead. Well, I mean, so I saw two of the confirmation hearings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. Beauregard. Let, let me say that one more time. Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. The third. Is he a third? Oh, yeah. Got to add that oh. in. Would you oh, like wow. to do it one more time? <laughs> well, I, I just want to I, I want to say that a couple of times because... He's named after <laughs> the president of the Confederate States of America. Uh, oh, is that is that where the Jefferson comes from? Yes. He's named for Jefferson fucking Davis? And his middle name comes from the revered um, Confederate military officer and politician, um, P.G. Beauregard. I do believe it was Purvis. Was it purpose? I don't know. I just like saying that. Uh, Beauregard is the, the... Let me tell you something about the name Beauregard. That's as quintessential Southern as you get. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to tell you something right now. The only other time I've heard that name in my life, and this is... It's so funny to me. The only other time is there's an episode of Scooby-Doo where they go to the bayou, and it's yes. the Scooby-Doo with Batman and Robin, and the villain's name is Beauregard. I think the ghost is Beauregard. And I literally, like, that's the last time until he popped up that I heard that name. Was in the episode of Scooby-Doo where Adam West and Burt Ward showed up as Batman and Robin. I had it on VHS. Like... No, I remember that one. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying, like, do you remember... And, like, I remember Scooby-Doo trying to... Bullseye! Like... Well, I remember, I remember two TV shows in the 90s that there was a Beauregard as characters as well. But, nonetheless... Um, one of the things that Senator Sessions, um, was asked if, uh, if he would uphold, um, you know, like marriage equality, which is now law nationally, um, as well as Roe v. Wade. And, and he's been a very staunch opponent of Roe v. Wade to the point that he has called it egregious, um, volatile. Um, and a very divisive um, piece of legislation, and he, he, he sees the Supreme Court as um, just upholding the law, not making policy. And he has said that many times over, especially as a senator. And he said that, you know, I don't agree with it, but as Attorney General, I will uphold it. But you may uphold the law, but that doesn't mean you will find legal loopholes to dismantle it. Just like in the middle of night last night, yeah. the, Senate, the Senate found a legal loophole to slowly dismantle the Affordable Health Care Act. They didn't get rid of it. They didn't put money in the budget for for it and everything and that budget got passed so now they can point a finger saying well there's not enough money in the affordable health care act we need to get rid of it yeah i i that 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 last night was (sighs) 
You know what? Let's talk about this for a minute more than I thought we were going to because I didn't really want to do this. And we might, ladies and gentlemen, I want you all to know that originally the plan for the show today was for us to kind of do what we've done up to this point and then kind of do a things to look forward to in 2017. It's not all bad. But before we get there, I want to talk about this. And I, and, and I want to talk about this, AJ, for what it really represents. Um... They say last night 30 million people essentially lost health care. I'm one of them, by the way. Uh, How to start this? My natural instinct, ladies and gentlemen, is to go off on a profanity-laden rant of which I am very capable of doing. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to sit here and get angry and swear. As much satisfaction as I get out of it sometimes, it it doesn't really, it, it, it destroys the argument. So let's do it this way. There are people out there who don't have health insurance and were and have applied for it through Obamacare or didn't before Obamacare. And last night, the Senate, and you're not going to like this if you're a conservative, and please feel free to use this argument with people who disagree with you on this, killed people. They killed people last night. And they don't care. And they're going to keep doing it. Now, you might go, well, they didn't actually pull the trigger. No. But they have made it very difficult for some people to get the health care that they need. Uh, A lot of people will tell you that the number one way to stop a major disease from causing any sort of long-term damage is to catch it early. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't have health insurance and your choice is hope for the best and not go broke or go to the doctor and go broke, you're going to hope for the best and, and pray that there's nothing wrong with you. And then things get worse. And then you don't go to the doctor. And then you die. Because you didn't have the opportunity. There are people who take hormone replacements, who are transgendered, who get it under the Obama Affordable Care Act, who now that those hormones are going to be uh, shut down, they're going to die because they'll get osteoporosis within five years and their bones will break and they'll get blood clots and die. And yeah, it's not every person on the list. It's not everybody who lost health care, but one person, I would argue. One person. Makes them murderers last night. And the reason that it makes them murderers, as opposed to just legislatures, is this. They know that. When they talked about recently going, we're going to repeal and replace. I actually, I didn't mind that. I'm, the Affordable Care Act has so many loopholes in it that it's not really that strong of a law. But it's an important step. And... When they said we're going to replace it with something better, if you had read into a lot of their proposals that they were talking about, a lot of them are just a different, slightly tweaked version of Obamacare because, as everyone will tell you, any government program that is moderately a success is very difficult to get rid of. So what does the Republicans do? They play politics with people's lives. They killed people last night. They don't give a shit. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is why I'm a Democrat and not a fucking Republican. Because at least Democrats, as much trouble as they might get in, as much as AJ hates a lot of their policies, they just generally don't vote in in laws that kill people the republican senate last night voted to kill some people to prove a political point and that's repugnant to me and it uh and fuck them because they are they don't care and what's even more egregious is when you hear people like senator ron johnson of wisconsin who was asked so you want to repeal obamacare as they call it, what's your what's your plan? Well, we don't have one, so you know, and, and we're talking about that right now. So you're going to remove something that people need, and you don't have anything in place. And yet, this is the party. Democrats are pro business too, but Republicans are. Supposed to be fiscal conservatives. They're supposed to be very pro-business. States' rights. But they don't have, but they don't have a business plan in place. But yet they're going to get rid of something because it's not fiscally responsible. I mean, this is this is what the problem I have most of the time with Republicans and conservatives is that they'll say, and I don't mind being fiscally conservative. No, neither I really do don't. I. And I, and I'm and people will tell you as you know the socialist that I am. Um, I look at budgets very hawkishly and start asking questions about, you know, how's this going to affect affect taxpayer dollars and can we move this money elsewhere? Can we, you know, build up a certain line item to afford um, a- access to a certain segment of society? I'll give you so an, I'll give you another thing you agree with conservatives on that I do too: sensible uh, uh, regulation. 
If there's a regulation that is actually not accomplishing what it's supposed to do, repeal it. I have no problem with that. Neither do you. Right? Sensible regulation is fine. The the problem is that the regulations they want to put in place, nine times out of ten, don't accomplish what they tell you that they accomplish on the conservative side. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'm just saying there's another thing that you agree with conservatives on. Regulation that makes sense. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, no, no. And, you know, and and, and that's a fair point. And... And, and, I've, and I've told people this also, that I, I was never a fan of the Affordable Health Care Act from day one, especially when they took the public option off the table and everything. Um, I'd much rather have a single-payer health care system than anything else and what have you. Um, but what I do like, what's in the Affordable Health Care Act, and not a lot of people know about this, um, policy wonks like me do, when you like turn to page 247 and you look at section 6, Column A. Subparagraph um, B. What? Subparagraph B, line 7. Sorry. Well, it's, it's, no, it's above that, but anywho. And I just like, um, <laughs> it's in, they, they actually have funding in place for, like, healthcare co-ops. So you can actually get money if you want to have some sort of healthcare cooperative or a, or a free clinic and everything. So people can actually have access to healthcare. So a lot of people don't know about that, and that's funding available for areas that don't have a community health center or any other um, health care um, system in their area and everything. People can actually get funding to open their own either free clinic or some sort of health system co-op in order to um, have accessible health care and everything. Um, and again, that's a more of a, a wonky type of thing, but more the point, this also helps people with pre-existing conditions and not a lot of health insurance companies will accept people with pre-existing conditions because it's like certain Christian organizations believe in original sin insurance companies believe in pre-existing conditions so what i'm trying to compare this is that people health insurance companies already know that once you're born that you may have certain pre-existing conditions whether we know it or not and once those start to develop in our life in our lifespan and we go to the doctor, and this comes to light. The healthcare companies, the insurance companies, can deny you of that. The Affordable Health Care Act, in the legislation that was written, says that insurance companies will have to take you because of these pre-existing conditions and everything. Well, uh, part of it is this: like, let's say you were diagnosed with cancer when you were ten years old. And yeah. and you got through it through your parents' insurance because you're insured under them, and everything went fine. You've been in remission your entire time. You get to be 22. You leave college. You go get a really good job, and the insurance company for your employer before the Affordable Care Act could literally just not insure you. They could just say, "Well, no, based on the fact that you've had cancer in your history, you're a financial risk to us. We don't feel the need to. We don't feel like we should insure you." Which they're a private business, and you can make an argument in that defense, except for this problem: to survive in America in the modern culture in health in our healthcare system, you need health insurance because it's unfair to ask people to pay out of pocket the ridiculous amount of healthcare costs that we have in the United States. Great example: MRI averages fifteen grand now. You need to tell me how a machine that you have in your basement nonstop costs $15,000 to use every time. Because if that's the case, then you need to stop using that fucking machine. Because that's not cost effective. That's on you. Like, it doesn't cost that much. It costs that much to buy it, but you can't amortize that cost over 30 years like every other healthcare thing in the world does. That's the problem. You get charged for everything here my sister was in the hospital and they they started like if you look at her bill they charge you for ice chips for christ's sake like well did you know there's a handling fee for babies yeah like literally for picking up the kid yeah they charge you for that yeah sure why not 
Why? <laughs> you know, this but, isn't shipping and handling. Obviously, they're, they're, well, they're charging you, AJ, for the soap that they use to clean their hands, for the power of the light that was above their head. You know, normal operating costs that most businesses have to eat, hospitals are allowed to write off to the customer. That's the part that's bullshit about it. And the part that you're talking about, about pre-existing conditions, is incredibly important. And what a lot of people will tell you is the most important part of the Affordable Care Act more than anything else. Because you can't get booted and you can't get refused because of stuff that you, has happened to you in the past. Because if we're going to live in a world where health insurance is necessary, then you need to make health insurance accessible to everybody. And last night, in the in, in I mean, come on, AJ. It's, it's literally this, if you'll allow me. It's the meanwhile of the Legion of Doom. They, that's what it is. I mean, that's what's going to be in the Senate and the House. Right? I, I just, meanwhile, I... I I got. I, I woke up to that, and I literally tried to ignore it because I'm just like, of course that happened, and and I think a lot of the next four years is going to be prioritizing what's the most evil thing that happened last night, and 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 last night's most evil thing was the repealing of Obamacare because they did it in the in the, in the dark and, they, and with no one around. It's the same thing that happened with that stupid fucking ethics vote that they did. First thing, mm-hmm. with the new Congress, what do we do? We're going to get rid of the Office of Congressional Ethics Oversight. Why? Well, because we want to be unethical, of course. Like, I, I just, I'm, I'm, th- this whole scenario, man, I'm losing my mind with this stuff. I'm yeah. getting, I'm, go ahead. But that's what kills me. Half of those people, if not all of them, are attorneys and work in the private sector in one aspect or another, Right. And these people went to business school, like Wharton, um, Harvard, Yale, Cornell, Kellogg School, school. Of Business in Chicago, University of Chicago, um, and they had to take an ethics class. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you're going to get rid of something that you, as an attorney, and someone with an MBA, or went to business school one aspect or another, had to learn about ethics. Now, either you completely failed that course, or you just tolerated the class and get the passing grade that you needed to get your GPA up. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, you're not, no, you're not wrong. It's the same way that I had to take math. You know. In any um, form. It's just, it's, I just find it utterly despicable. I really do. And... This is why I also get pissy half the time when those of us who studied the liberal arts and, you know, we had to take ethics, philosophy, and it's like, well, why do you need to fucking learn that and everything? Because I need to fucking know that humanity is not going to falter. I'm sorry. I mean, if I have to be held accountable as a nonprofit organization... On ethical standards and everything, but you fucking don't. I'm calling bullshit. I'm sorry. I mean, if I have to be held to a certain ethical standard because you don't like what I'm doing, then why the fuck should I even listen to you? Because you're taking away fucking ethics in the Senate and the House. That's what pisses me off half the time. Should we get to fun things to look forward to in 2017? Oh, this is fun for me. <laughs> well, that's the, the the joke amongst all the late night hosts. Everyone's like, "Are sure? Aren't you happy that Trump won?" And it's just like, "Yeah, I'm happy in the same way it is when one of your children." You know what I mean? It's just like, but you can't tell me like Fallon, Kimmel, Colbert, every every single one of them was hoping Trump will win because now they have. Four-year job security. Well, I think I think a lot of them would say you know what I'm like, saying? well, no, but I think a lot of them, I think a lot of them would point out like, yes, work-wise, it's going to be easy. Soul-wise, it's going to be especially for the Daily Show. Well, it's, it's the gift that Trevor needed because his ratings haven't been great, but <laughs> you know, which is sad. I actually like Trevor's show. I think it's funny, um, and I and I like if the had, if Larry still had his show. <laughs> yeah, oh man, he would have. Job security and then some. I, I wish Larry would actually get an HBO deal. That's because right now he's on one of those Viacom no compete issues. You right. know, you know where they like pay him a bunch of money so he can't work anywhere else. So of I think I, I think he'll end up if if HBO is smart, they'll give him the half an hour after John Oliver. 
to do something or teaming with Vice News or something. I don't know, but I liked Larry a lot, and and he'll be missed. And and again, you know, and I haven't talked about this a lot, but I will say, AJ, one of the thoughts I've had after the election, and and I really do feel it's important to for me to say this is, you know, who I'm most disappointed in in the last year more than anyone else, huh? John Stewart, and how so? Because John Stewart didn't fight enough, in my opinion. And the reason that I mean, what I say by that is I understand he retired the year before from the show, um, but I have always operated from this very simple thought process, and you'll know what it's from. With great power comes great responsibility. And John Stewart worked very, very hard to get himself up to a certain level, and no one really took that mantle during the last election. And if no one was willing to step up and take it, then John Stewart needed to come back and, and do more than appear on Colbert a couple times. But, I, I mean, I guess one could say is like Michael Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan built himself up to a certain standard, you know, and model of what a premier basketball player needs to be, right? Especially on the Bulls. Right. You know? And so let's just say, just for this instance... Trevor Scotty Pippen. All right. Scotty's now leading a team and he's not following through, just like a lot of people were very disappointed Scotty Pippen didn't lead the Bulls as effectively that he should have. Right. You're actually Biden. making my point because what huh? happened? What's that? You're making my point. What you're talking about happened. It well, yeah, but it is. But, well, the other point with the, with the Jordan comparison is that you know Jordan didn't do anything he didn't have to come back he wanted to come back no. but he didn't have to John Stewart he knows what he had done and you know what he has provided and you know had these huge shoes to fill and Trevor knows that no but I, I also no, no, feel no, that no, no, John I'm, Stewart doesn't have to do what people think he ought to do oh, because no, no, he's no. John Stewart. No, no, no. See, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say that he had to do anything. Okay. I'm not saying that he had to. I'm saying that he should have. You see what I'm saying? There's right. A, there's a difference. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's under some obligation to all of us to do anything. He should have felt the responsibility and done it. That's, that's where I'm at. Because he worked so hard to get to that position, and in the last couple months, he—I mean, I get that the polls said that it wasn't really an issue, but he should have been more vocal. And this is just me as a fan, you know, also venting because I do believe that if John Stewart had been more involved, Donald Trump wouldn't have won. I believe that. I believe he would have never even gotten out of the primary had had Stewart been around. I, I, I think that. So it's. I mean, he could. I mean, yeah, he could have done a rally. That's in all. DC. Or or even just appeared on Colbert once a week. Something like that. You know, and done one of his classic, you know, look at the camera and make funny faces things. It just I feel it would have had more of an effect than anything else did. And I, I don't know. We are eight days out and I'm I'm and yeah, it's not fair because I'm blaming everything. I'm mad. I'm upset. I I there I have never I have never felt like this before, man. Have you? Like even when Bush won in 04, and, you know, he beat Kerry. I wasn't hopeless about the future. Like, I was like, all right, well, that sucks. But, you know, there's other stuff going on. Donald Trump becoming president is, is I feel hopeless. I feel like, I often wonder sometimes the last couple months, why even bother doing the podcast? Why do I spend every day reading all the news? And I know it's for the same reason that I've always said. It's because, and, and people can laugh at this, but it's the truth. Because I can't be Batman. I can't be a superhero. I can't fly off into the night and save all the refugees in Syria, which is what I would do if I was a superhero. So I do this, and I stay informed, and I yell at people on the street who say stupid shit, and I fight with them about it. And I know you do the same thing. You're talking about, you know, possibly entering the world of politics more than you have. You know, these, these are things that we're talking about doing because you feel something like a pull inside to do more and i don't know man well, well for me i mean i feel i need to do more than i did during the bush years you know i mean during the bush years um i was at a level of activism and organizing that i really had to build myself up for anti-war efforts 
on econ for economic justice and everything else. Um, and standing and against, the, of, standing against the war we've it. been fighting for 15 years. Right. Well, yeah, that and, you know, just bullshit policies that the Bush administration thing. And, and sure, I mean, there's a lot of things that either stabilize or went on the decline because Obama's been in office for the last eight years and everything. Um, but now we have this and this being Trump. You know, I kind of feel that I need to step up my game a little bit more so than what I had done before. You know, because this is a whole different league of activism and organizing. Um, because, and I told this to people this past week, that we're going to be dealing with shit that we haven't seen before. And we're going to be dealing with policies that are going to be obscure. And we don't know how, we, we don't know how to handle it. You know, even if we have the best legal minds um, that fight for um, liberal, if not radical, causes, if we have the best organizing activists around the country, we're still going to fight against an opposition that's just crazy. And we've seen this in Wisconsin, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Missouri, here in Illinois, um, in the Plains and the South, and hopefully everyone's catching on. These are mostly Republican-ran areas. From that sea to shining sea. That, you know, we're, that we're seeing, all, we've been seeing all these horrendous policies that have really declined each state and everything. And now we're at the um, apex of it, and that is Trump. So... We really need to step up our game and everything. And that's why I said earlier on this episode that that we just need to stand up. You know, and that's why in my 2017 and there and and after, you know, I'm going to be very explicit as to what I stand for and everything. And I'm not going to give a flying fuck if you agree with it or not and everything. Because in my opinion, um, if you do not stand for uprooting the systemic problems in our society, then you need to take a seat. I'm sorry. I mean, you just have to. Because if you're not going to, if you're just all about reform, then you're just adding to the capitalist problems that we have in our society and everything. And sure, there's maybe some things we need to compromise on. But for the most part, right now we're dealing with the deepest systemic root of them all and that is conservatives don't give a fuck on what they're doing yeah well i guess that's I mean, as good a place as any like you and others who are liberals who want to do stuff i really do but again like i said if you're not willing to look at things at a systemic level then please and we, we, we move aside and let me go ahead. Well, and that's and that's where I'm at too. Is, is I got in an argument with somebody once, and about halfway through the argument, uh, this is one of my dad's clients, and I stopped and I looked at him and I said, "Let me ask you a question." He goes, "Yeah." I go, "How much time a day do you spend reading about politics or policy?" He's none. I said, "Then what do you like? Can you not trust the fact that I know more than you do, and that I know that there are people who know more than I do?" I'll give you a great example, AJ. People tell me that there's man-made climate change. Now, you know what I don't know? I don't know anything about the Earth, really. I know that the Earth rotates. I know basic stuff. But, AJ, you're, you're an intelligent man. You're a smart guy. You went to college. You got yourself a degree. Do you understand the very intricate nature of climate change? Like, down to the, the desalination of, of, the, of the ocean and everything? Probably not. Not at the level that, let's say, Bill Nye... Or Neil deGrasse Tyson knows, perhaps. But you know what? I, but you understand what I'm saying? No, no, no. And you're, and you're absolutely right. Like that's the <laughs> idea. You have experts. You have people who know more than you do. You find the people that you respect to know more than you do about a certain topic, and you kind of defer your knowledge to them. That's what intelligent people do. 
I do wonder how much of this comes out of the self-esteem culture that was so prevalent in the 90s that kind of morphed into social media where everybody is their own star that nobody's willing at least if people are inherently lazy when it comes to information nowadays because there's so much of it that people don't go out and act i'll give you a great example aj there are things that you know about i don't know about like inside of a campaign how does it work from you know an idea of policy to a speech writer to actual implementation you know about that i do not so when we do these shows together, I defer to you on issues of actual campaigns. You have more knowledge than I do, right? So that's okay. I think a lot of this comes from that, that nobody wants to be willing to admit that they don't know. I Again, I have people who come in and argue with me, and they, and they say these things, and I go, look, I spent the last eight hours watching a documentary and reading about this exact issue. You can question what what you want to be true, but I can tell you what's actually true. And I can tell you where where it's opinion and where it's fact. And I'll give you, and again, going to the climate change thing. I don't understand a lot of it. I understand enough of it. What I do understand is Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye, Bill Gates, another pretty intelligent dude, people who are very smart, very well educated, will sit there and break down for you, mainly Nye and and Tyson, stuff. And I'll tell you something about Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's an astrophysicist. Earth science, not his forte. And he tells people that all the time. He goes, look, the reason that you're asking me about this is I am the closest thing to an actual scientist that you will have. He goes, but there are people who study this stuff for a living. That's where I get my information. Even he has an expert that he defers to. Leonardo DiCaprio is not the leader of the climate change movement. He just happens to be somebody who's passionate about it. But he defers his knowledge to other people. There's nothing wrong with doing that. The, the danger is when you question the experts on stuff. I don't know how to fight a modern war. AJ, do you know how to fight a modern war? No, but I've read enough to understand about that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, if Colin Powell showed up in a room and you and I were debating him on military tactics, that would make us idiots. Because Colin Powell is going to know. We don't. You see, that's just the point that I'm trying to make. I, I do, and I guess, you know... This goes back to a conversation I had this past Sunday, um, and that is the one thing that is going to be very um, driving the wedge further for those of us who are liberals and on the left is listening to each other. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to Bernie Kratz. In Clinton supporters, that they have willingly not trying to listen to people like me because they feel that they're in the right and we are in the wrong, and we need to be on their side. And I think it's very important to listen to all aspects that are that is on the left and those who consider themselves Democrats and everything. Because I'm sorry, you Democrats have no one on your bench at the national level or at the state level, not even the local level. You have nobody. This up election in Illinois, there's no one on your bench to run against Bruce Rauner. There's no one to run against Scott Walker in Wisconsin. There's no one to run against when Chris Christie leaves office in New Jersey. There's nobody. Yeah, but Chris Christie can't really run either, so that's kind of fun. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he's leaving, but still, Democrats don't have anybody to run against any any Republican they're going to put in that race and everything. So who do you have? Those of us who have been on the front line for many years— those of us who have written all the legal things that need to happen, those of us who do things like podcasting, who write, who goes in front of the camera, who goes into radio stations to talk about, to do commentary and analysis on the issues and everything, those of us who are talking to high school students and lecture at colleges and everything to talk about the issues and what people need to do who are training people on how to 
petition, how to campaign, how to dismantle a certain aspect of society that needs justice and everything. But y'all won't listen to us because you think you're right. Because why? You have people elected. Who gives a fuck? That's not even real power. Real power is those of us who, who are creating, building alternative institutions, who are trying to de-root root problems, but you don't want to listen to us. It's high time everybody, and I'm even being critical for my colleagues on the left, to listen to each other. We may not agree on certain strategies and tactics, but one thing's for certain, when we start listening, I think we can accomplish a lot of things. I have many good friends who are progressive Democrats. Hi. I have friends who are libertarians. Not and, I. And we still drink. We still have fun. And from time to time, we, we will like each other at the end of the day. And other times, we go out in the alley and settle it with fists. Well... You know, we don't, we don't talk about that. Well, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just we, we. I did want to give the show. So I think what I'll do, AJ, instead of doing a big list, is I think every show we should end with something positive to look forward to uh, in the upcoming year, at least. Uh, try to do it within a month. But I do want to point this out. Uh, it just came across. It was announced a couple days ago. Uh, Dave Chappelle has signed a deal with Netflix, and he will be doing a new stand-up special. Like two of them, isn't there? Or just the one? It's two, but one, okay. one, one in twenty seventeen. Right. So in twenty seventeen, ladies and gentlemen, if you want something to look forward to, Dave Chappelle will have a live stand up special, and you will probably laugh harder than you have laughed since the Chappelle Show went off the air, or until you had the opportunity to watch Dave Chappelle do stand up the, the Saturday after Donald Trump won. Which, if you haven't, and. Had, there's going to be three, if I if I heard right, three Marvel movies this year. Three, I believe it's four, sir. I believe four. that it's four. Guardians, right? Um, Spider Man, right? Defenders, which is going to be on Netflix. But still, it's, okay. It's, it's a Thor, thing. Thor, Ragnarok, Thor, Ragnarok. Ah, that's what I miss. And with Doctor Strange, right? And then yeah. there's also, and this is kind of. Depends on where you want to go with this. Also, the Logan movie, which is technically a Fox Marvel movie, but it is a Marvel movie. Add to that, you also have, I mean, we can go through this again. Next year is also uh, Justice League in November. You have Star Wars Episode Eight in December. You've got... Uh, Avengers 2? No, that's not next year. So, Tony Stark is in Spider-Man next year. Um, right. No Captain America at all until Black Panther in 2018. And then in 2018 is also Avengers 3. So you, oh, you're going to get a double. Yeah, Black Panther is literally. Actually, no, I'm wrong. Black Panther, I think, rolls into Avengers 3.5. So it might be Avengers 3, then Black Panther, I think, might be the way that it goes. So, right. you know, it's and, and that's all up in the air. But again, movies are good to look forward to. You know, my event, my, my DC shows start next week. So I got that. I can go back to watching The Flash. But. It's going to be tough. And, and AJ, you know, beforehand was talking about a lot of stuff. And I would simply add on to the stuff that he was saying. And we, we'll say it again. And it's going to be our caring call. Stand up, for lack of a better term. Stand up and be counted. Uh, fight against the people that you know are wrong. I don't care if it's at work. I don't care if it's your family. If you believe that you are right and they are wrong, argue. Move, prove your point. But also be open to having your point. You know, be open to the idea that you could be wrong. That does happen. But if you believe in something strongly enough, fight for it. That's what we're trying to do here. We're going to try to escalate that. We're coming up, ladies and gentlemen, the next month or so, we're going to hit our 100th episode of Out Front. That is no small thing. And I'm very proud of that. And we're going to try to launch some new stuff with that to try to be fought, to try to stand up a little bit more. But stand up and be counted. That, that matters. And for lack of a better way to explain it to you, I am Spartacus. AJ? Say it. I'm Spartacus. There I'm Spartacus. it is. I am Spartacus. If you don't know what that means, look it up and see a movie that was made before you were born, you goddamn heathens. I'm going to start the exit music. 
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, so much for listening to our show today. AJ, say goodbye to the people. Bye, people. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chicago Podcast One. And you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Please get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. And please subscribe and like us on iTunes and all of those other things. Subscribe and like us on SoundCloud. Uh, thank you so much, AJ, for doing the show with me again. We'll be back next week. I don't know, AJ. Should we do a show before the world ends or should we wait until after the world ends? Yes. All right, folks, we'll probably be doing a show before the inauguration and then probably a show the Saturday after the inauguration when both of us are in the hospital next to each other recovering from the beatings that we will be taking. Thank you so much for listening. We out! It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.